Welcome to the Mind Body Breakthroughs Podcast, where we bring you amazing guests on the cutting edge of science, health, and business each week to share strategies you can use to get the breakthrough that you are looking for in your life. I am your host, Chris Donahue, and with me is my co-host, Dr. Nevada Gray. We're so glad that you're joining us today, and we'd like to invite you to join our free private Facebook community, Mind Body Breakthroughs. The Mind Body Breakthrough online coaching program is a comprehensive and customizable guide for total body transformation. Its 150 pages will equip you with everything you need for a ketogenic lifestyle from low carb to zero carb carnivore. The program contains a two week carb cleanse, 30 day keto sample menu, 30 day sample workout guide, and much, much more. These are recipes you will love, exercises you can do, and strategies that you will enjoy making part of your life. From the person who wants to lose a few pounds on low carb to the person using keto or carnivore to manage serious issues or optimize health and performance, this program has something for everyone. Sections include the carnivore allergy and autoimmune protocol, fasting, toxicity, and advanced strategies for sleep, stress management, cold thermogenesis, sauna, and more. Included with the program is lifetime access to the Mind Body Breakthroughs Coaching Group, where you'll have your questions answered, a support network to help you on your journey. Why pay for monthly memberships or coaching when you can have the best and most cutting-edge information and help at your fingertips anytime you want for as long as you want? Your adventure for a better, healthier life begins today. See the show notes for a discount link to the program and unlimited lifetime coaching. The views expressed on the Mind Body Breakthroughs podcast are the opinions of the hosts and guests and are not to be taken as medical advice, as the hosts and guests do not provide medical care. Information provided is for educational purposes only. You should consult your medical provider in relation to your personal health and prior to making any changes in your diet or fitness. Dawson Church, welcome to the program. How are you doing today? I am happy in general, Chris, and happy especially to be here. Yes, thank you so much and welcome. We've been looking forward to this podcast. For those of our listeners that may not be familiar with who you are, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey? Sure. Well, I've been interested in consciousness for a long time. I was pretty miserable as a kid and uh, tried to rescue myself. I joined a spiritual community when I was 15 years old, learned to meditate, learned energy healing, and um, did a lot of study in psychology, especially Gestalt therapy. And most of my professional life, I was in book publishing, but I had this strong interest in energy healing and wrote a couple of books about, about that early on. And uh, more and more, as I discovered energy healing, I discovered its power, and also I began to do research in, into what, what the effects of it are in our bodies. And so as I began to do, st- do studies and look at anxiety, depression, then move on to physiological measures like cortisol and immunoglobulins, I discovered and I began to write about increasingly the the extent of the changes it produces. And so whereas before, 
many of the spiritual traditions I I studied, many of the um, the psychological tools I I practiced, they did produce change, but for me they produced slow change. And as I wor worked with other people, they produced incremental change. When I began to really get into energy tools, I discovered that they produce rapid change, they produce pervasive change, and they produce lasting change. And so, so problems that, for example, I've been able to help people with with Gestalt therapy over maybe the course of several years, suddenly in the course of a session or five sessions or sometimes very, very rapid parts of a session, people have these amazing breakthroughs using energy tools. And so I've increasingly been both researching and writing popular books like Mind to Matter and The Genie in Your Genes, a new book coming out soon called Bliss Brain, really looking, digging deep into the science, what science tells us about these energy healing tools and about how they're having these rapid effects on the human body. Yes. And, you know, personally, Dawson, I'm just grateful for your work, grateful for uh, Dr. Bruce Lipton, Joe Dispenza. Uh, in, in my personal journey and healing, it was just a true awakening to just a, just a different world that really was the world that, you know, I was, I was living in. Uh, but it's a world where it's about wave and not particle, it's energy and not matter. And uh, I, I was inspired to go and, you know, certified as a hypnotherapist, and it's a big part of my practice now. And uh, can you just, you know, tell us a little bit about, tell us a little bit about that world, peel back the curtain a little bit. And just for our listeners where these concepts are just new to them, uh, just kind of explain a little bit about quantum uh, energy, quantum psychology. Well, energy has been hard to understand and relate to for human beings for centuries. So if you go back millennia to ancient times, say ancient China, ancient Japan, even in Europe, there's evidence that energy was used for treatment a long, long time ago, over 5,000 years ago, there's evidence that acupuncture points, acupuncture flows, meridians, this type of energy was used for healing thousands of years ago. But um, when human beings began, especially in the West, began to discover things like electromagnetism, it was viewed superstitiously. There were these strange stones called lodestones that would help you figure out which was, which was north and which was south. In China, in the 1400s, they were inventing compasses. And the compass was then brought to the West and helped with the voyages of discovery of great European explorers. And so um, we began to realize that there were energies in, in, on the planet, that we could use them for navigation, uh, that a compass needle would always point north, and there, that there was some understanding that there were energy flows in the human body as well. But we had a very ambivalent relationship with energy because we couldn't see it. And so if you have, say, for example, uh, a broken leg, I can see that, and I can put it in a splint, and I can do material-level things that will help you. But if you have a broken heart, if you have PTSD, that's soldier's heart, it was called soldier's heart in the American Civil War. And you can't see that injury, and yet it's producing as much agony often for people who suffer from that as that broken leg would, and often more. Um, so we can't see energy. And so there was this a very ambivalent attitude toward energy. There was a book, <coughs> excuse me, there's a book called Electrical Medicine written in the, in the 1600s 
that in 1910, with the publication of this massive review of medicine in America called the Flexner Report, energy medicine was classified as irregular medicine. In other words, not, not part of the mainstream. And within a, a few years of that report, virtually all homeopathy schools shut down. Uh, virtually all development of electrical devices came to a halt in, in the U.S. Um, and, and now, you know, we, we, take, we take for granted that we'll use um, energy in medicine. For example, you'll go to the hospital and get an EKG to monitor your heart function or an EEG to monitor your brain function or an MRI or a CAT scan. But um, what, uh, what we don't realize is that these devices and these kinds of advances were treated with immense skepticism. In fact, the, the inventor of the EEG, Hans Berger, I tell his story in my book, Mind to Matter, he invented the EEG. He invented it as a result of a of a, an experience of non-local communication. There were those. He had this. This I, I won't go into it at length here, but he had this <clears throat> experience in his life where somebody knew something about him from a long, a long way away at the moment it happened, and he began to try and figure out the mystery of the brain. Invented the EEG and faced such severe criticism from mainstream researchers and and doctors that he eventually committed suicide and so the eg of course now has become much more accepted and is regarded as a as a, a, a fundamental diagnostic tool but spec scans um uh, uh mris all of these things were regarded with enormous suspicion and often still are you'll, you'll see if you read for example the um the the pages of wikipedia on energy medicine, it's called pseudoscience. They call it pseudoscience and dismiss the entire field along with thousands of studies showing it works. So um, there is the suspicion of invisible things and energy is invisible. And so what? What? even though we can't see energy, it is definitely having an effect on us. And so in Mind to Matter, I'm really explaining in, in depth what the science shows the effect of energy on our bodies is. And it turns out to be enormous. Um, I talk about studies showing, for example, that um, certain frequencies, certain energy frequencies can produce a tenfold increase in telomere production in our bodies. And telomeres are the incredibly important molecules to, add to aging. And your, your telomere length of your cells is the single most reliable marker of aging. You can send off a telomere sample to a lab. And that lab will tell you what your biological age is with knowing nothing about your chronological age. They don't need to know how old you are in terms of years chronologically. If they have a telomere sample, they can tell how old you are biologically. And so, for example, in studies of identical twins, I'm just writing, writing one of these right now, and these twins chronologically, again, they were born with exactly the same genes, same genome, identical when they were zero, one, two, three, four years old. Now that they're 50, chronologically, they're both 50. They're both celebrating their 50th birthday. But one biologically is 40, and the other one biologically is 60. So that there's a 20-year gap that's opened up in terms of their telomere length and their life expectancy as well. So it's energy that can have these drastic effects on our telomeres, on stem cells, on hormones like cortisol and adrenaline and DHEA and oxytocin. And so energy is incredibly effective. And what, what I'm arguing for in Mind to Matter is to use energy. And I'll give you just one story and then we'll, I'll, I'll wrap up the, this point there. 
But um, and I, I, this is a, a person often I can't disclose the people I'm, names of people I'm talking to, of talking about. But this this person actually wrote a book about her experiences, which just, just came out. So I can use her name. Her name is Beth Meisner, <clears throat> and so I write about Beth in my new book, Bliss Brain. Beth was was diagnosed with metastasized breast cancer, and they the doctors found a large lump, a solid tumor on top of her right breast. And it eventually was measured as five centimeters in diameter, about two inches, so a very large tumor. And then they looked for metastases, they looked for signs of them spreading, and they found that all of the lymph nodes under her right armpit were all inflamed and full of cancer cells. So on thermography scans, all of those lymph nodes, they weren't just clear with lymph, they were clogged with cancer cells. And so um, they realized now that the tumor was spreading and the, the, the cancer was, was, was now in our lymph nodes, lymph system all could go all over, all over Beth's body. And they also then found three spots of inflammation on her right lung. So this is a, a really, uh, this, is a, this is about as serious a diagnosis as you, as you can get, metastasized breast cancer. And when she got the, the diagnosis, she, rather than um, going the conventional route, she decided to go the unconventional route first. So. <clears throat> she immediately, I mean, like that day, turned off the alerts on her cell phone. She quit watching the news. She surrounded herself only with positive people and deliberately excluded all the people with negative energy from her life. She began to do Qigong. She, I, I worked with her doing um, some remote acupressure, EFT tapping. I, I used that with her. She uh, began to get energy work done. She flew down to Mexico got a laetal, laetal treatment, she began to do hyperbaric oxygen. And so she began to use all of these alternative and energy treatments. She got the diagnosis, this diagnosis in March of 2017. Eight weeks later, she went back to the cancer clinic for another exam. And the tumor had shrunk from <clears throat> five centimeters to two centimeters and all of the lymph nodes under her, her right armpit were clear, completely normal. In just eight weeks of using alternative and energy medicine, and then a few months later she got, um, she got circulating uh, cancer cell markers, uh, that, a test for those, and she was totally free of cancer. So that's why I say to people, don't discount the benefits of modern medicine, they're there for you if you need them, but use energy medicine, use your mind, use your consciousness, use your heart, use love, use compassion, use play, use fun, use all the ways of shifting your energy because they can make a radical difference in your body. Yes, absolutely. And that's something that I can relate to personally because I had a similar healing from a rare spinal cord injury called quad equinus syndrome. And, and that's how I first discovered your work through the work of Dr. Joe Dispenza, who also had a spine injury that he wrote about in his book, You Are the Placebo. One of the things that was critical in understanding uh, for me was the different frequencies and how to get into the frequency that most optimized my meditation for my visualization to get my nerves regenerating during the rehab process because I intuitively was merging energy medicine with modern medicine 
in my nutrition approach, my rehab approach. And I was just wondering if you could speak uh, for our listeners, just set the foundation for what those frequencies are. And then we can kind of get into how our cells communicate during regeneration and how these uh, frequencies can affect the world in general. Yeah. Well, these frequencies are measurable. Uh, when Hans Berger was developing the EEG, the first frequency he measured was alpha waves. And um, so we measure waves in terms of frequency and also amplitude. And amplitude is how big they are. Frequency is how often they, they, um, they vibrate. And so alpha is between 8 and 13 cycles per second. And that just means it's firing 13 times an average per second. So you look at those frequencies, and we, we, we measure brain waves this way. And our brain waves run from very slow waves, delta waves, 0 to 4 cycles per second, to very fast waves, gamma, 25, 35, and upwards uh, cycles per second. And these are the ways that are, these are the, the ways are, our neurons communicate with each other. They actually talk to each other through these, these frequencies. And the, the analogy I use in, in Mind to Matter is that it's like an audience applauding. So if you listen to an audience applauding, usually they're just all clapping at whatever rhythm, whatever rhythm they like, they, they, they want to. It's just a, 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 a noise. But if they clap rhythmically, if they clap like this, and they're all clapping in phase, like they want an encore, then that communicates to the performer that the audience wants more. And so our neurons fire in these patterns that help them communicate with each other, even across distant parts of the brain. And so you look for those basic frequencies. There, there are several of them. And one of the cool things I talk about too in Mind Matter toward the end is how they also correlate with resonant frequencies of the planet itself. The predominant frequency of the Earth is around 8 hertz, 8 cycles per second. And this is an incredibly important wave frequency because when researchers use EEGs to measure healers, they find that their brains are predominantly in that same 8 cycles per second range. And so whether they're a Qigong healer or a Native American healer or a shamanistic healer or a Christian faith healer or a Jewish Kabbalistic healer, they find that when they're in that healing moment, their brain waves and train to the very same way that is the predominant wave of the earth itself. And that's when healing takes place. In Mind Matter 2, I quote numerous studies showing that that same way produces things like the regeneration of stem cells, produces increases in human growth hormone in the human body. In, uh, does things in your body like regenerating cartilage. So you're talking about recovering from your spinal cord injury, Nevada. And um, that, that literally can happen triggered by these brainwave frequencies. So we are literally giving ourselves instructions when we induce them. And in Mind to Matter, I, I list 30 different practices. Some of them are really obvious ones like time in nature, just taking a walk outside will help you and generate positive frequencies in your brain. Walking barefoot on the earth, grounding, earthing, that'll help you. Meditation will help you if it's done well. Um, you have to meditate in a certain way to get the real benefits of meditation. Uh, EFT tapping, I wrote a book called the EFT Manual and I've written actually, I forget how many EFT books I think I've written like six books like EFT for back pain, EFT for fibromyalgia, EFT for PTSD, 
and uh, really applying this wonderful, simple, portable form of energy healing to these different kinds of common problems. And so um, use these 30 methods because they generate these healing frequencies, which are then directly affecting your cells. So there are lots of different frequencies that affect cells, and we can get some of them from <clears throat> uh, machines like pulsed electromagnets, there are various kinds of therapies that use frequency, but what I really focus on in my book, Mind to Matter, is the frequencies that you generate spontaneously with your brain when you meditate and when you do EFT acupressure. And, and, and what, what we're showing is that these frequencies are, are they're like melodies that your cells resonate to, and then your cells start doing stuff. In one EFT study, an astonishing study, it showed that one hour of EFT therapy produced upregulation of 72 genes, including genes that suppress breast cancer, genes that suppress prostate and throat and bowel cancer, genes that produce myelination on the sheets of your neurons. Now, again, for effective communication of energy and information down your spinal column or anywhere in your brain, anywhere in your nervous system, you need good insulation. And in diseases like MS, that insulation, that myelin sheath around the body of the neuron degenerates. Um, so some of the genes that were upregulated by just one hour of EFT included ones for increased myelination of your, of your nerve cells, included genes for protecting your, your skin from the sun's ultraviolet radiation, genes that uh, promote memory and learning. So all of these beneficial changes happening as you shift the frequencies of your brain. We measure the, these changes directly in terms of things like immunoglobulins, cortisol, and gene expression. So it's, it's powerful to use these 30 practices and then find ones that work for you, do them regularly, and you find that it produces huge leverage of your health and well-being. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, I think that those types of practices are a great gateway experience, uh, particularly in the West, as, as you discuss, you know, there's just uh, a suspicion towards energy. And, you know, it's it was fascinating to me as I got into this topic and had read even some of our greatest scientists, Albert Einstein, Nikola Tesla, you know, all of them wrote about how it really was the field and not the particle, how it really was vibration and frequency that was the determinate factors. And, uh, you know, Tesla read a lot of the Vedic texts and went into some of these, you know, ancient uh, types of things. There's so much wisdom that's been lost. And one of the things I love about your work is it kind of connects this ancient wisdom to everyday practices that people can actually do. You know, we don't, you don't have to join a commune and you know, become a, a monk on top of a mountain to experience some of these amazing results. Um, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about epigenetics and how uh, that plays a role in our health and our healing. Yeah, epigenetics is uh, just a, a love of mine, and uh, I wrote the book The Genie in Your Genes about this. It's now gone through three editions. It's sold a ton of copies over the course of many years. I update the book regularly, and um, The Genie in Your Genes is all about the epigenetic effects of consciousness and energy. And so 
there are epigenetic effects that come from material influences like diet. Your diet is turning genes on and off in your body. And so when you modify your diet, you modify your body through this epigenetic intervention. And the very first um, studies were modifying the diet of mice and showing how that produced genetic changes or gene expression changes in their offspring. So um, we've known for a long time that material influences could produce epigenetic changes. What I find really exciting is the discoveries now showing that emotion, spirituality, thought, consciousness, mind, also literally turns genes on and off. So in one chapter of the book, it, the, it, it, the subtitle is You, the Ultimate Epigenetic Engineer. You're literally doing genetic engineering on your body. You're turning genes on and off by thought, by belief, by positivity, and by negativity. And um, I did one study, it was, a, it, was a, it was a randomized controlled trial with veterans. And we gave them 10 sessions of EFT acupressure tapping. And we measured their levels of PTSD, they had very high levels of PTSD going into this. The study, most of them were v Vietnam veterans, but a few from, from Iraq and Afghanistan. And again, super high levels of PTSD. And also we looked at their levels of inflammation markers in their genes. And we found that over the course of 10 EFT sessions, their PTSD went down by more than half. Their depression and anxiety went down a lot. Their pain dropped by over 40%. All these things happened and their gene expression literally changed. We found that immunity genes were dialed up and the genes that suppress inflammation were dialed up. So now they're having less inflammation in their bodies and higher immunity simply as the result of an energetic intervention. So it is powerful to realize that epigenetics isn't just your diet, isn't just exercise, isn't just these mechanical ways of producing changes in gene expression, that the degree of positivity you have or negativity, the degree of spiritual practice and the depth of meditation you, 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 you get to when you meditate, the, the positive thoughts you have versus the negative ones. Most people's brains are just hijacked by emotion and negative thinking. And when you can free yourself of that, and research shows that with experience, you can actually suppress those negative parts of the brain and promote the positive parts of the brain, the happy parts of the brain. So um, when you do all of this, you're literally producing epigenetic shift in your cells. And I'll just fast forward to the end of your life. So you do this every day. Say you start, <clears throat> start meditating, start EFT tapping, start doing time in nature, start doing yoga, and really love and nurture yourself in all these ways energetically. You think positively, you become a compassionate person, you become a kind person, you feel love. So now you're feeling much better, you're optimistic, you're joyful, you have that approach to life. All of this is psychological, okay? None of this is, is gonna be found in a medical textbook or you won't be prescribed this by your doctor. You're doing all of this with your own consciousness. So now fast forward, not just <clears throat> 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Fast forward to the end of your life. Researchers in a, did a giant 30-year study, large-scale study, a lot of women, a lot of men in the study, 30 years, and they found that those who were 
in that positive frame, who are optimistic about life, who are an op optimistic explanatory model about what happened to them, they lived, they, they had a 60% greater chance of reaching the age of 85 or more, and they lived an average, now get this, Chris in Nevada, this number is amazing, they lived an average of 10 years longer than pessimists. So all of that, those thoughts you're having, which are now dialing up your immune genes, dialing up your anti-inflammation markers, dialing up your anti-cancer genes, you're doing all of this purely by thought and by emotion, and then cumulatively, it's giving you 10 extra years to be in retirement, travel the world, play with your grandkids, whatever you do, choose to do then. Um, this, is, this, is an, this is the cumulative effect of those choices of consciousness. And this to me is the really exciting thing about epigenetics is that we can do so much with our, our awareness, our consciousness. Yes, and that is so extremely interesting to me because the thoughts that we think along with the emotions that we carry can really translate into our healing. And the regeneration that happens occurs fairly quickly. You had um, a nice chart in your book showing all the cells and in their turnover rate. One question that I have is many people have been telling themselves this story either on a subconscious level, um, the story of their life, and they have been carrying around a baggage of negative emotions and just the way that they see the world. How can somebody go in shifting their mindset? What are some applicable daily tools that people can use. We hear a lot about gratitude, writing down what you're grateful for. But if you have trouble feeling that elevated emotion that needs to be attached to the thought when you're meditating to raise your frequency, how can somebody go about creating that shift in their life when that is something that may be unfamiliar to them? It's also very difficult because our brain defaults to negativity. It's been well known and described in, in psychology for close to a century, the brain's negativity bias. And if you're, the, the, I, I tell the story in, in Mind to Matter about Swami Satchidananda, who would take a red pen and make a dot on a white sheet and hold up the white sheet to his followers and say, say well, what do you see here? And they say, oh, Swami, we see a red dot. He said, he said well, actually, what you see is a, is a huge white sheet and a tiny red dot. And you're missing the huge white sheet because you're focused on the little red dot. Uh, the great uh, 20th century client-centered psychologist Carl Rogers called it finding the blemish. Um, I was um, not sure I should tell the story about my daughter, but she's in her mid-20s. And she was visiting us from where she lives uh, a few months ago and staying with us. And we're having a wonderful time. And my daughter is a, a very accomplished woman. She works for Amazon. She is a um, software engineer. And um, she's also incredibly beautiful, has long, long hair, long brown hair, and, and just witty, intelligent, and people just so respond to her. But she was worried that day because she had a pimple. And so she's forgotten everything about having a great husband and having a wonderful life and, and being very successful. And, uh, and, and she's just totally focused and obsessed about the pimple. We, we, we focus on our pimples, our, our, our blemishes, the things that are wrong with our lives, our teammates, our, our bodies, our, our uh, parents, our children, and uh, we torment ourselves. I, I, I'm so, I do a lot of live workshops where I, I train people in these methods, and um, I'm so struck often when I do a workshop, there'll be 
like there was an actress in, in one of them recently. And this woman, again, just so much going for her in her life. And yet, as she spoke, she had so carried so much grief and so much pain. And so I, I don't want that to be affecting her and changing her gene expression for a long time. And so we have the brain defaults to negativity automatically and for a very good evolutionary reason, which is that that is what kept our ancestors safe. If you missed the, the rustle of the, of the tiger in the grass, you were dead back along the evolutionary pathway. So anyone who failed to notice the bad stuff was weeded out of the gene pool. They just died. And so they got eaten by the tiger. So you know, you, 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 our brains have been bred now for hundreds of millions of years to pay a lot of attention to the potential tiger. And now we're in an environment where we're, most of us in the Western world are reasonably safe, reasonably healthy, have a reasonable amount of material prosperity. And yet we're still, we have brains that are wired to find the bad stuff. So here you, you hear a podcast like this and you think, I'm going to be a, a, a positive thinker. But the minute you quit listening, your brain defaults right away to negative thinking. And in fact, that part of the brain, there are two distinct areas of the brain where this is processed. It's called the default mode network because our brain defaults to functioning that way. And these two parts of the brain, the default mode network, their job is to remember the bad stuff in the past and project it into the future. And that's the setting our brain defaults to. So you try and inspire yourself by going to one of my weekend workshops or listening to an audio program by Deepak Chopra or Neil Donald Walsh, and then you find yourself going right back to your old thinking afterwards. So it's a very difficult problem. And in my, my new book, This Brain, I'm really tackling that problem of the, of the default mode network and, and showing how with the right kind of meditation training, you can learn to control it. But it takes meditation, even meditation adepts, it takes them a lot of time to learn to do that. So I'm using science to try and shortcut that um, that process. So we've heard about the 10,000 hour rule. And what, what meditation research shows is that adepts who spent that 10,000 hours or more in meditation actually can shut down that default mode network. But 10,000 hours is not a reasonable uh, amount of time for most people who have jobs and careers and kids and, and a life to, to spend. So I've been really focused for the last few years on methods that will shut down the default mode network and help people be happy and feel good quickly. And uh, I, I mentioned 30 of them in Mind to Matter. And then in Bliss Brain, I'm really getting, getting deep into what you can do. And essentially, you have to do something physical. T telling you yourself, I'm going to be a positive thinker, putting affirmations and visualizations in front of yourself, those things can help remind you but you have to tell the body it's safe. PTSD, for example, psychological trauma, is not a mental health problem. It's a physical issue. Um, when it was first named and described after World War I, <clears throat> it's called by the doctor who wrote about it the most then, a physical neurosis. He recognized PTSD is, and trauma is physical. And, and we, we look, our brains naturally look for what might traumatize us. So you have to do physical things. That's why <clears throat> the tapping of EFT is so helpful. The breathing and meditation is so helpful. The grounding of earthing is so helpful. The movement of yoga or qigong or tai chi is so helpful. So doing physical things is usually far more effective than doing psychological things. I, I can tell you, don't be a negative thinker. Don't do that. You're hurting yourself. 
and you will agree with me, but can you turn off the default mode network? Your brain is just structured that way. It's not a character flaw. It's a design feature of your brain to keep you safe. The trouble is when there is no danger, it's still running. And so you have to find physical ways of shutting down the default mode network so you can have a happy life. And the good news is if you do, if you just do these simple practices, if you actually execute them in your life, if you wake up and meditate in the morning and you tap when you feel upset and you take a walk in nature when you're when you're out of, out of sorts and you do these things, you wind up being much happier, triggering all that beneficial gene expression, having a much higher quality of life. And then that study showing that uh, optimists live 10 years longer than pessimists, you get another decade to enjoy it all in. So uh, the key is physical practices that work at the level of the body. Not that I'm knocking psychological ones at the level of the mind, but the, the short path, the quick way to do it is to find some physical way of interrupting yourself, interrupting your thinking and making yourself feel good in your body. And the good thing about this is when you do this over and over and over again, you start to literally reset your levels of important hormones and neurotransmitters. Your dopamine and serotonin balance resets in your brain. Your cortisol and DHEA balance which I describe extensively in, in the gene in your genes, that resets in favor of low cortisol. In one study I did, uh, people doing a one-week retreat with me, they did a one-week retreat. We measured their cortisol, measured their immunoglobulins, measured their happiness, measured their brain function before and after. And over the course of just one week, their baseline cortisol dropped by 37% as they meditated, as they tapped, as they did these practices. When the cortisol went down, their immunoglobulins, their, their, which is, that, that's the main um, substance in your saliva, eyes, mucous membranes, their immunoglobulins increased by 113%. So massive increases in immunity when you reduce your psychological stress and your physical stress. So that's, that's the promise of, of doing these things, do these physical interventions, and they're literally shifting you both psychologically and they're also shifting your physical body. One of the fascinating things that you mentioned in your book was how the energy or the frequency of one person can impact another, whether at a distance or whether you're in close proximity, for example, working in a high stress work environment. For example, I believe you mentioned healthcare workers and being a healthcare worker, it can be very hard to protect your own energy when you're in that good space and you have that good story going on and elevated emotions. On the flip side, would tapping and physical practices also be beneficial in protecting your energy to keep yourself in that good headspace? Yeah, and um, I've actually talked to the heads of several healthcare organizations about the importance of doing this for, for their workers. And there are proactive things you can do. And um, one of them that I use sometimes, like uh, I'm, I'm a very far from perfect human being and I often do do things that are incongruent with my with what I teach. Like for example, I uh, my wife pointed out that whenever I have to go into a big a big box store like um, Costco or Walmart or Safeway, one of those places, uh, I, I I'm very energy sensitive and, and the energy affects me. It's like I can hear every conversation in the store in my head and in my energy body, and so it's it's really disruptive for me. So I, I've been complaining about this for years. My wife at one point said said. Donnie, I love you, and why don't you just do some energy work to put a, put a shield up around yourself when you do that? 
So there, there are proactive things that I recommend that healthcare workers do. And there are two in particular I talk about in the books called the zip up and the hook up. And these are Tai Chi moves from energy medicine that you, you do to literally put a shield around yourself and then hook yourself up to what I call in my book, Mind to Matter, non-local mind. So now I'm anchored in non-local mind and my local existence is a facet of my greater existence in the non-local area. So um, I recommend that, that, that people in these stressful situations with lots of other energies around them, especially sick energy, uh, protect themselves with those, those techniques before they go to work. When they leave work, what I encourage several groups of doctors and nurses and chiropractors, mental health care workers to do is do some EFT tapping, which just involves tapping with your fingertips on 13 acupressure points and release the stress. Just do five or 10 minutes of this. My friend Judith Orloff is also energy sensitive. She's a UCLA professor and a psychiatrist between, between patients. Just takes two minutes and does that stress release exercise, and then is able to release all that stress. You don't want to accumulate this, take it home with you, import it into your marriage, being with your kids, into your time with friends. You want to just release it when work is over and move it to the next phase of your life. So those are the, are the two things for people in health, in, in any kind of uh, stressful situation like that, especially healthcare workers, Nevada, is to protect yourself before you go in with techniques like the zip up and hook up, and then when you leave, dissipate any lingering emotional impact by tapping. Yeah, that's uh, it's so, so important. And I'm glad that you give people those practical tips. I mean, these were some things that, that I had to learn along the way. I've been a, a massage therapist for many years. And, uh, you know, at first I had no concept of this. And being a very empathetic person, I, I realized <laughs> that I was... I was just pulling all kinds of energy and, and just yeah. had no outlet, no, no way to deal with it. And, and it really, really was, you know, impacting, you know, my health and my psychology. And, and so I think for, for those of us that are involved in the healing arts, it's, it's, it's absolutely critical. Um, Dawson, can you talk about just the importance of being present the importance of mindfulness. I think that so many of us were either living in our past, stuck in our stories and our, and our regrets, or we're just worried about the future. Uh, what are we missing by not being present? That is a great thing to reflect on, Chris. And we often are to the present. And that default mode network has two nodes. And one is right behind your forehead. It's the right in the middle of your 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 frontal lobe, it's your mid prefrontal cortex, and then there's one in the back of your brain called the posterior cingulate cortex, and those parts of the brain are the default mode network focusing on the past and the future. The bad stuff that happened, the tiger that almost ate me 10 years ago, and the tiger that might eat me tomorrow. So that's the job of those things. And with the no tigers, we now think about the bad performance review I got 10 years ago and the bad, um, the, the traffic accident I may have driving home from work. You know, so anything we can worry about. I might be flying in a Boeing 737 MAX. I mean, something, something will, there's always something for the default mode network to obsess about. And so it's, it's hard to shift that, that thinking. And 
you'll notice that nowhere in that equation is the word the present. It's not paying attention to the present. It's only focusing on the past and the future. When you're in a flow state, and my new forthcoming book, Bliss Brain, is all about flow states. When you're in a flow state, then you're in the present. And then you're alive. And also your perceptions are really sharp. When you're in the present, when you're in flow, when you're in that state of being hooked up with non-local mind, when you meditate, you let go of your local mind and you move into non-local mind, the default mode network, those two nodes shut down, the parietal lobe shuts down, which locates you in time and space and parts of the brain that make you really happy, like the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex and the ventromedial prefrontal cortex, all of these happy parts of the brain, they light up. And so now you have a happy brain as well. And um, that is really a different, different kind of function. You're in the flow, you're in the present, you have a sense of timelessness, a sense of the, the well-being in all things. And that is this incredibly valuable experience. In, uh, in, in, in my new book, This Brain, I talk about the research on how much people spend every year trying to get out of their heads, trying to get into the present. And I mean, they do it through all kinds of things like extreme sports, like alcohol, sex, uh, various activities that will, will, will drugs like drug, prescription drugs or, or street drugs. They, they're, they're trying to escape the chatter of the negativity in their heads. They're trying to come into the present moment. They just don't realize that they can do this naturally with these kinds of, of energy practices that I'm, I'm advocating. And so when you do that, suddenly you're in the present. Now, when you're in the present moment, you're able to relate to people around you and your world in a very different way. You look into the eyes of your wife or your child or your parent or your dog or your cat, and suddenly you're there. You're having a conversation with them. Your brain isn't somewhere else hijacked by the default mode network to be in the past or future. It's right there with them, and they can feel that. I know it, at my workshops, I often, um, people, you know, when when you go into a room for a workshop, some people will choose the front row. Their people are always going to park themselves in the front row. Other people are always going to be in the very back row. People realize after the first hour of one of my workshops that sitting in the back row is completely futile because I walk all the way to the back of the room and I deliver half the lecture standing right next to and looking into the eyes of the people in the very back of the room. Then I'll walk to the sides and I'll make sure I, I really connect with everyone there being in the present. And after that first hour of the, maybe a five-day workshop or a three-day workshop or one-day workshop, maybe a virtual workshop, um, but people realize that now we're all in the present. We're looking at each other. We're showing up for each other. We're lighting up those happy parts of the brain. We're shutting down the default low network. We're entering this, this moment of communion, this of sacred contact with that other, other person. And we feel really good. That produces a rise in pleasure neurochemicals like oxytocin, also known as the hug drug or the cuddle hormone. It's produced by emotional or physical intimacy. When you touch someone else, when you give someone a, a hug, you have a huge spike in oxytocin. When you do an altruistic act or even witness an altruistic act, you have a big spike in oxytocin. When you move into emotional intimacy with somebody, like with a caring conversation, you have a lot of oxytocin. So in Bliss Brain, I actually, the middle of the book is all about oxytocin and six other neurotransmitters and hormones you get from these deep practices. 
And that's why it's called this brain. They feel really good. You can only feel good in the present. You can't feel good in the past or the future, but you can have a lot of control over feeling good in the present. And in the present, when you're feeling good that way, again, it's, it's a subject of feeling. You'll say, I feel happy, I feel good. But objectively, when I measure your neurotransmitters and your hormones, I'm seeing increases in human growth hormone. I'm seeing increases in oxytocin, increases in norepinephrine, increases in beta endorphins, which block pain. Beta endorphins are three times as strong as synthetic morphine for blocking pain, and you make them in your own brain. So suddenly you're uncomfortable sitting there in meditation for the first half hour, your back hurt, your knee hurt, your uh, ear was scratching, but after 20 minutes, you forget about all that stuff because beta endorphin kicks in. So we're having all these seven neurochemicals of ecstasy in our, our brains, and we start to get used to feeling really, really good. And the present moment is our gateway into that. We can't get there retroactively in our childhood or in the future. We can only do that in the now. So a lot of this has to do, I talk about this in the new book a lot in Bliss Brain, um, how the now is your gateway to those good feeling states. Yes, those are very, very important points. And in our Mind Body Breakthroughs community, we have a lot of people that are reinventing themselves in the second half of life that are healing from catastrophic illnesses, coming back from great adversity, uh, you know, divorces, losing hundreds of pounds, career transitions, um, and just really searching uh, to create the life of their dreams for the second half and kind of manifest destiny. And many people look to the law of attraction. What are some of the um, myths regarding the law of attraction or points where people get it wrong um, as far as manifesting with the like attracts like uh, yeah, great question. And and there is this all this mythology, like you can create anything you want um, with, with your mind. Um, we have infinite potential, blah, blah, blah. And so in Mind to Matter, I decided to put that proposition to the test. And so in the introduction to the book, I, I point out that you cannot create anything with your mind. Um, I, I cannot create a house on Saturn with my mind. I cannot make the room I'm in red in 10 seconds with my mind. And there are all kinds of things I just can't do. They're, just, they're impossible. So between the impossible and the possible, what is the middle ground? Like I'm, I just move my mind right now. I, I created water, taking a drink of water right now. And I created it by walking over to the faucet and filling out my cup. Now, that is not an astonishing act of creativity. It's just something, an every, everyday one, which we can all do. So between the house and Saturn and a glass of water, what are the limits? And uh, I just went to science and said, what does the, the research evidence tell us the limits are? Now, it turns out, Nevada, that the limits are much more, much further toward creating the house on Saturn than they are or, or making the, the room red in, in, in 10 seconds than they are the glass of water. We can do all kinds of weird, crazy things when our minds change. So I mentioned hormones and neurotransmitters and brain waves and all these things in our bodies. And it's, it's pretty obvious. No, nobody disputes the fact that if I have a stressful thought, I'll raise my cortisol and I'll shorten my lifespan. That's just pretty uncontroversial. 
what I go, where I go in the second half of Mind to Matter is more controversial. And when I read this research, some of it had me just absolutely flabbergasted when I, I began to realize the implications for, for evolution, for planetary history, and for the big picture, because there is research showing that we're literally changing molecules in the world around us. And um, one of the, the most studied ways in which this happens is the effect of human consciousness on water. And so what a lot of research has shown for the last 60 years, uh, the early studies were all on plant growth and they would have a healer bless one batch of water. They'd water two groups of plants blind and then they'd measure how well they grew. And the, blessed, the plants watered with the blessed water grew better than the ones that were grown with ordinary water. So obviously human consciousness was having some effect on water. But the more recent studies use elaborate equipment and actually measure the atomic bonds in water. And I talk about this in Mind to Matter, how the, the bonding angle of the two hydrogen atoms of water to the oxygen, so it's H2O, two hydrogens, one oxygen, and that angle of their bond is 104 degrees. And that's just a fact. It's just 104 degrees, whether it's ice, steam, liquid, whatever form it's in, it's just 104 is that bonding angle, except after that healer is blasted. And so research now shows that when people have intention and project that into water, it literally changes the bonding angle of the molecules in that water. Another study had people hold water and they changed the molecular structure just by holding it. So our consciousness is literally having an effect on the water around us. And there are four fundamental forces of physics. And I talk about three of them in the book. Electromagnetism, strong and the weak nuclear force, and gravity. And there's research showing that human beings by their consciousness can literally affect these forces of, of physics. So that implies that consciousness is the fifth force and that consciousness can then affect the world around us. Now, again, it doesn't mean that we can, we can uh, say, for example, add a foot to our height, but it does mean that when you, for example, bless your water, I, I began, I, after I read that research, I just began blessing everything I eat, everything I drink, I, I, I can't see the effect energy is having, but the research suggests that we can affect the outside world as well. And I give many examples of synchronicity, clairvoyance, telepathy, all of these things that seem to be uh, um, the effects of our ability to affect the world, to, to change the world outside our bodies as well as inside our bodies. Yeah, that's fascinating. I love, I love that kind of research done with uh, inanimate objects, done with plants, animals, because it completely takes out, you know, the placebo effect, you yes. know, it's, it's, this is real tangible changes and we don't necessarily understand it all yet, but uh, we can see it and we can experience it and we can, we can benefit from it. Dawson, this has been amazing. We're so, so glad that you came on today. We'd love to, you know, have you on again. There's so many things that we can talk about. Uh, encourage everyone, read Genie in Your Genes, Mind to Manor. Look forward to reading Bliss Brain. What, um, what are you excited about? What's, what's coming up for you? And uh, tell these guys where they can find you. Sure. Well, the best place to find me is by going to my website, 
Dawson, my name, Dawson Gift, G-I-F-T, DawsonGift.com, because that will give you access to a number of things, um, free meditations, a free downloadable copy of the EFT mini manual, and also my calendar, my schedule, and we have um, certified trainers and practitioners all over the world. We have hundreds of practitioners that we've certified and are able to do these techniques with, with other people. So through that one location, DawsonGift.com, you get access to all that stuff. So that, that that's one place to go. And then in terms of what's most exciting to me is um, I'm thinking about the implications this, this has for the planet. Because if you think about it, we've been evolving for 4 billion years on Earth, and evolution has proceeded by means of random mutations. So um, there was a mutation, and suddenly some humanoid uh, 400 million years ago had an opposable thumb. This weird genetic mutation was so useful, it caught on. And that kind of, of evolution has, has brought us to where we are. And Darwin, in The Origin of Species, and his later books, he wrote about how this happens, and it's slow. So we accept this model of evolution. But he says that Darwin said in his writings that um, it's at a, a pace so slow that no human being could ever see that change in his or her lifetime, evolution by random mutation. And I believe that, and I taught that for a long time. And I was completely wrong. Because now consciousness is evolving our bodies moment by moment, and we're changing our gene expression by our thoughts and our feelings every single present moment and every single day. And so what are the implications of this? This is really intriguing me right now. And in, in Mind to Matter, in Chapter 1, I tell the astonishing story of Graham Phillips, who did mindfulness for eight weeks, and he had a whole workup by a lab, an MRI lab with a high-resolution MRI before and after. And after eight weeks, his dentate gyrus, a part of the brain that governs emotional regulation, had rewired itself completely and was 22.8% bigger in just two months. So literally, he'd rewired one part of his brain, he rewired quite a number of, part of his, parts of his brain, but that part of his brain that governs emotional regulation grew by 22.8% in only eight weeks. So we're now evolving our brains. Those evolved brains are then producing changes in our bodies. Those evolved consciousnesses and bodies are now producing changes in society. And where will this take us? At the end of Bliss Brain, I, I list a whole bunch of statistics about human progress. And human flourishing it has never been as great as it is on the planet right now. So we hear about all this, this bad news in the news. What we don't hear about is all the good things that are happening. IQ scores have risen by an average of three points per decade for the last 100 years all across the planet. Um, people now, today, are three times as wealthy. The average global citizen is three times as wealthy as that person was in 1980. Our, our global wealth has tripled. Uh, in the last 30 years. The average lifespan of the average planetary citizen has doubled in the last century. Uh, human rights have been improving steadily since World War II. In fact, even with World War I and World War II put together, 
the human the 20th century was the there, there were fewer military and civilian deaths from conflict in the 20th century than there were in the 19th and there were fewer in the 19th in, in, the, in, the, in the 18th as far back as we can trace it so human beings despite world war one and world war two are becoming more and more peaceful and there are lots of, of signs of this all over the place our carbon output per dollar of gdp has halved it's cut in half since 1990. we need you know all these stories about the amazon rainforest which you know it's a tragedy and yet if you look at the actual numerical statistics deforestation of the amazon is down by four-fifths, down by four-fifths in the last decade. Poverty in the U.S. I, when I do live workshops, I, I tell people, just guess, you know, how has poverty changed in the U.S. in the last, in the last 40 years? Is it, you know, how has it changed? And people say, well, I think it's, you know, gone up by about 20%. It's gone down by, you know, by 10%, blah, blah, blah. In terms of consumption power, it's down by 90% in the U.S., in the last 40 years. So I, 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 this, is, this is a really good reality check for people who are obsessed by the news because there are all these ways in which we are flourishing. And that's what I see happening in the, the coming years. I'm excited by this, excited to be part of this, excited to witness this, excited to be having kids and grandkids who are part of this change. And then I'm just, I'm just seeing this shifting the whole, the whole planet as evolution is now happening in real time, changing our, our brains, changing our bodies, changing our society. And I think society is going to change radically in the coming decades. Awesome. Well, Dawson, um, we're all looking forward to that and appreciate your work. And I know that you'll continue to lead the way in this uh, awakening and this change. So thank you so much. And we uh, really appreciate you coming on today. We look forward to talking to you again soon. Yeah. Likewise. Thank you. Take care. Proud affiliate of Redmond Real Salt, the best tasting and most mineral rich salt on the market without the microplastics and other issues of conventional salts. See the show notes for 15% off your order. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast today, Mind Body Breakthrough. Chris and I truly appreciate each and every one of you. Be sure to subscribe and tell a friend and to join us in our free Mind Body Breakthrough Facebook community where you can start peeling away the layers of everything that's not you so you can be you.